so we're in this series of uh, called True North, and we're talking about, we talked a number of weeks about the Bible and the importance of grounding our life in the Word of God, that we're grounding our life in something. It's either a secular worldview, the things that the world says, we're either grounding ourselves there, or we're grounding ourselves in the wor- world, and we have a biblical worldview, and that the Bible is the foundation. Something has to be the foundation, so when circumstances change in your life, or you get scared, you get weirded out, or whatever, you go to the Word and say, okay, Lord, what do you say about this? What is the truth? You know, and we, we talked about the Bible being the truth, that it has authority and power because it was written by God, okay? It was written by God, the Holy Spirit, without error, without any error in the original documents, okay? And so that there's power and there's authority there. So we talked about that, and now we're going to move into different disciplines of the Spirit, okay? I'm going to talk about silence and solitude today. But, um, and, and the reality with the disciplines is people look at them as these burdens, like, oh, snap, man, they're going to make us start doing these things, you know, and it's not. The disciplines of the Spirit have been given to us so that we can experience the blessings of, of God, so that we can experience more life, we can experience more love, grace, mercy. So they're an invitation in, but they're disciplines because we got to flip and discipline ourselves to do them, right? They're not just going to happen. They're not, you know, you're not going to just all of a sudden wake up one day not hungry, you know, and so you want to fast. That's not, you're going to have to choose to fast. You're going to have to choose to move away from people if you want. So it's a discipline which makes it feel like a legalistic deal, right? Makes it feel like a real deal, but it's not. Like I said, it's an invitation into blessing, okay? It's so important because as a church that really promotes and values and believes in grace, kind of like come as you are, God accepts you how you are, he's going to love you, he's never going to be disappointed, he's never, never going to be angry, None of that, you know, we, we, we promote all of that. But with that, it's important to learn to discipline ourselves, okay, so that we experience more of God's blessing. I'm going to have Bob Gaffney come up here, and we've been doing this, have a short testimony from him about how spending time in solitude has affected and changed his life. You got a mic for him? Okay, 30 seconds. Yeah, thanks a lot. I think I came out of the womb jumping and running around like crazy for most of my life. I was always doing things that had so much energy in them, motorcycles, fast cars. And it took me a long time to really get to the point, even though I came to Christ relatively young, to learn what it meant to be still and know that I'm God. And the Lord kept speaking that to me often and often, and I think it did not need to take me as long as it did. But a number of years ago, I began to really apply that to my heart because I realized that uh, I wanted to be listened to and vice versa. And so here I was uh, taking all these prayers I had and giving them to the Lord, but I'd jump up out of my seat and go someplace else. And the Lord was like, hey, you know, I'm here for you. And as time began to develop, uh, I began to realize that he really was speaking to me. It was quite amazing in more and more ways. And as the years went by, my discipline became greater. I started reading more and more scripture, and then it was like delicious, and that's what I do now. I, what I'm going to say is everyone doesn't need to do this. It's just what I do. I get up very early in the morning, and he, the Lord's first. I spend two hours on the average every single day with him. I don't skip any days because I have that kind of intimate relationship with him, and he speaks amazing things to my heart, but I have to be quiet 
if I'm not going to be quiet, then I'm not going to hear. And the scripture is loaded. Things that I used to run over and say, and I don't understand what that means. He just, um, just peels it back for me. It is truly incredible. I want to say that, you know, as you get older, you know, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So it's my word of encouragement. That's great. You know, I spend two hours and one minute in the word (laughs) resting every day. But like I was saying, so the the disciplines of the spirit, we're going to look at them today. They're things that we do to engage and create opportunity to experience God. But they're also things that we don't do. And we're going to look at the the disciplines of abstinence and the disciplines of engagement. There's two different kinds. They kind of complement each other. But the way that the the reason we need these disciplines is is not because the enemy is like throwing down like fire on our lives. Okay, like physically, like he's not he usually doesn't lead us into temptation by like flagrant sin. It's usually a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You know, and when you, when you stop spending time with the Lord, it's just easier for him to slowly bring us back into the world. And so the things that he tempts us with that pull us away from Jesus are things that are good, that have gone wrong. Okay? Things that are like spending time with my family, finding value in my work, um, making money to provide for my family, relationships, sex. You know, um, all, all of these things that God has given us to bless us, the enemy, what he does is he takes them and he makes them in our life what we worship. They become idols. They become what we go to for hope, what we go to for, for life and for peace and for rest. Now, you've probably heard of The Seven Deadly Sins. There's a movie about it with Bruce Willis. I've never seen it, and I don't know if you should watch it. So don't, okay? And if you do, don't say that Antley told me to, Okay. But in this, but in this movie, but the seven deadly sins, I'm just going to say them to you, um, are recognized kind of through church history as sins that everything kind of goes back to. And the sin is, the sins are pride, envy, anger, laziness, greed, gluttony, that's like overindulgence, and lasciviousness, which is sexual sin in a nutshell. It's a little more complicated than that. But, um, but there, each one of these are things that weren't meant to be sin, that started out in a good way, were blessings, okay? And um, Gregory the Great, have you heard Gregorian chants? All those things like, those, those things, Gregorian chants, that comes from this guy, comes from this guy, Great Gregory, okay? Gregory the Great. He describes these as normal threats of the soul and the ordinary conditions of life. Each of the seven deadly sins are the result of one or more good desire gone wrong. Okay, and so laziness. We are meant to rest, but we become lazy. Greed. We are meant to make money and to provide, but we want more and more and more. Gluttony. God says in heaven we will have the finest wine and the richest foods, but we substitute we want more and more and more. It's kind of like greed, but it has specific things to do. Lasciviousness. God gave us sex, and sex is good within the covenant of marriage. That's where it's created to be. And outside of that, it becomes sinful. And we can get so consumed with it, especially in our society today. You know, it's why we have this, this group for folks that struggle with sexual sin or brokenness in their 
in their life is because this is one of the areas that the enemy is really going after us in. You know, pride. I thought about, man, what's, why is pride? You know, like, what could be good about pride? And I thought, you know, we were created to rule and reign over God's creation, that we are queens and kings given a dominion by God in Genesis. But when we start to think that that, look what I've done, look what I've built, look at what I'm doing, that's pride because it takes glory away from God. And so the practice of the disciplines, what they do is they change the desires of our heart. They remind us what truly, where life truly comes from. And what happens is it postures our heart before God to receive more grace, more love of the Father, so that our heart's desires will not be the things of the world. And so whenever we're eating of the world... You know, we're like, I'm making some money, I want some more money, I want some more money. And all of a sudden, you know, because it makes us feel safe. It, it, like, oh man, I, I'm not worried about money now. I'm not worried how I'm going to provide for my family or college. Like, I'm not worried about these things. I'm, you know, man, what a foundation I've built, right? Like, like how secure and safe I feel, right? But then you go, to the, you go to God, you go to Jesus, and he's all up in our stuff saying, look, I am the foundation of your life. Look at all the blessings I have for you. Look at where life really comes from. Trust in me. He says, trust in me, not in the things of the world that will burn up and go away. Trust in me. And so when we're spending time in the word on a regular basis, our appetite and the lies of the enemy about the life that we think comes from the world, they go away. They're diminished. But if we're not spending time with God and we're not spending time in silence, like Bob said, listening to God, we will continue to hunger after the things of the world. We will continue. It's in our flesh that we are fighting to go after the things that satisfy the flesh. And it is only the disciplines of the spirit that counter that, that go against that, that fight for that. And so again, the disciplines are given to us to find life, to find truth, and to find all that God has for us. In 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says this, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. The disciplines of the spirit are how we seek the Lord, given to us so that we can experience his presence. Like I said, not rules we have to do, The disciplines of the Spirit are given by the Holy Spirit to deepen our experience of Jesus and grow in our love for Him. Now, I'm going to give you a list list of the uh, disciplines of the Spirit, okay? Now, there are ones that aren't mentioned here, but these are kind of the ones that over the history of the church have kind of come to be known as the ones that, you know, have held the the, kind of made the test of time or whatever. And it may be in your life that um, you start and you're engaging this discipline. It's like, ooh, life, I like this. More of God, more of Jesus. And then over time, you realize that the Lord has something else for you and kind of shifts to where he he might call you. Um, Like journaling is not one of these disciplines. Journaling is one of the things that I love. This one, it's almost, it's gotten bad. It's like if I don't journal, I don't count it as time with the Lord or whatever. But recently I went back and I was reading uh, for this talk about um, a time that I went to have solitude in the monastery. It was like, like 15, no, it was more than that, like 20 years ago or whatever. And I found journals from 30 years ago where I can go back and read um, about what God was doing in my life. Unfortunately, it's the same 
daggum thing he's doing in my life now. I haven't really grown. That's depressing. I burned them all. I burned them all after that. Okay, so the disciplines of abstinence and the disciplines of engagement. The disciplines of abstinence are things that we stop doing, that we've been doing too much of, um, that have become what we are looking to sustain our life, bring us peace, fulfillment, joy, and those, you know, safety and those kinds of things. Okay? Now, they're normal desires. Go ahead. Fly that up there if we have it. Basic drives or motivations, such as food, sleep, activity, exercise, Play, TV, Facebook, you know, whatever, um, companionship and sex, but also things that are not basic drives, things like our desires for convenience, comfort, material security, reputation, or fame. Now, here are the disciplines of abstinence, solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, or living simply, chastity, abstaining from healthy sexual behavior with your spouse, secrecy, not letting others know of your good works, and sacrifice. Okay, so they, those are things that, we, that we're doing, that we're pulling back from doing the things in the world. We're abstaining from normal behaviors so that we can experience more of Jesus. So that we, aren't be, we know that we're not becoming a slave to those things because we're stopping them and we're able to stop them. Okay? An addiction is anything that you can't stop doing when you want to stop doing it. And I would say that you're probably addicted to something in the world that the Lord is going to reveal today that he wants you to stop doing. And it will take discipline, and it will be hard, and you will need help. But we don't want to become slaves to blessings because then we lose the opportunity to experience them as blessings. We have to abstain from them more and more and more. Okay, so here are the disciplines of engagement, things that we start doing that will lead to us finding our peace, our hope, our comfort, purpose, and rest in Christ. Okay, the disciplines of engagement, study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, and submission. Now, these are just, again, they're general. There are other ones that you've probably been experiencing or doing or you've heard of, and that's fine. These are just the main ones that have kind of come through church history. Now, here's the thing that's cool about this is that abstinence makes way for engagement, okay? Abstinence, when you abstain from something, it creates a hole of opportunity. It, create, like, it creates a, a vacuum in your heart, right? So I was, I love to, um, let's, I'm, I keep using fasting, but um, let's say it's a clear, it's an easy one. I, I love to eat. I like to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas, Right? I love him. Okay, so anyway, so we like to eat. And so we abstain from eating, and now, at least three hours a day or so, where we would have been preparing food, and we have been eating food, and we would be hungering for food, we have space. There's space for something, right? Now, yeah, what if you filled that space with more, like, I'm going to get drunk while I'm fasting, right? It happens. I've seen it happen. You know, or I'm having sex with my wife four times a day because I can't get my mind off food, right? Those things happen. Or I'm going to work, work, work because I can't just, my stomach's grumbling all the time, I can't think about it. So there's a vacuum there, but the vacuum was made there so that in that space we would, we would go to God to feed us, that he is the bread of life, that he wants to fill us and to satisfy us. 
Okay? And so, so that's what happens. The disciplines of engagement, the things that we do to fulfill, fulfill the disciplines of abstinence. Okay? If our, here's an illustration. If our souls are created to be filled by God, okay, if our souls, if our hearts, we are created with a God-shaped vacuum, you know, and only he can satisfy that, um, and that our hearts are restless until he does, okay, and um, that part of our heart um, are occupied by food, sex, and society, we die or suffer for lack of God where he belongs. Abstinence from those things that are filling that space breaks the hold of those improper engagements so that our soul can be properly engaged in and by God. Dallas Willard uh, wrote that in Spirit of the Disciplines, which is a lot of the foundation for this series. Okay, and so we've been talking about reading the Bible, right? Yeah, we've been talking about reading the Bible forever. It's like four weeks. And, um, and, in, and, and when I talk to people, what's really amazing is I'm getting tons of testimonies from people who are starting to read the Bible, people who are buying Bibles. They're, they're calling me, hey, who do I ask a Bible question to? Literally yesterday. Who do I ask a Bible question to about Esau and Jacob? I'm like, Brian Robinson and, and Alan Love are way smarter than me. So go, they're, they're your first source, okay? But I encourage them, go online and try to find out the answer for yourself. Google it, right? And so they did. But um, it's exciting. I'm hearing about city groups. They're doing, like, pulling out the Bible together now. People that are reading it on their own, they're becoming disciplined. I love that. That's amazing. But for most of us, we haven't started doing that. And the main reason I think that we don't do that or that I've heard from people or that even in my own life is because I'm busy. I'm too busy. I just forget it's one of the things that I can, you know, I, I can just let go of because no one knows about it except for God and he forgives me and is full of grace, right? And so we let go of that because we say we don't have the time for it. But today we're studying solitude. And so we abstain from the busyness of the world. We retreat from the world and all of a sudden we have a vacuum. And what do we fill that vacuum with? What do we have opportunity for? All of a sudden we have all the time in the world to spend with the Lord. And if you had fasting to that, even more so are we going to be drawn to the Lord. And so we abstain, creates a vacuum, and then we fill that vacuum with something of engagement, a discipline of engagement. And again, again, it can be like these aren't power, like these aren't perfect combinations. Everyone can do different things. You might abstain from the things of the world and go worship for three days. You might abstain from the things of the world and go, like, walk on the beach and just be with the Lord and be silent for a time. There's a number of things that you can do. Henry Nouwen says this, though, about solitude and silence. The central question for us is, will we be truly men and women of God, people with an ardent desire to dwell in God's presence, to listen to God's voice, to look at God's beauty, to touch God's living word, and to taste fully God's infinite goodness. And then Peter Scacero, who wrote a number of books about being spiritually healthy, wrote, I love this, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. Because we don't know what our true self is until we're with Christ, until we know who he says we are. The world will lie to us and tell us, no, that's not who you are. You're this. You're, you know, you're not good. You're bad. God's mad at you. Those kinds of things. 
And then Bill Johnson says this. This is, breaks it down simple. Your internal reality will always become your external reality. And so the power of the intimacy you have with God will manifest in the world and in the ministry that you have. If you don't have intimacy and you don't have love, he will not trust you with power because power without love hurts people. And so you wonder, like, man, why am I experiencing like, more miracles when I'm praying? Why aren't people getting healed? Why, why is it my neighbor you know, coming to the Lord? I've been praying for them. I've been doing this and that. Well, because that requires power. It require, requires spiritual power. And God will not give you that because you will hurt people. Because power either does good or it does bad. It either brings healing or it wounds. And so it's important for our internal reality to be transformed, for our intimacy with Jesus to grow, for our love for the Father and his love for, for us to be known. And out of that, power comes. And we talked about this in the last series, that that is the foundation for authority and power. You know, one of the reasons that we struggle with this, I think, is because we look at being you know, like pulling away from culture as like a weakness, Oh, I got to get away because I'm overwhelmed or things are too much for me or whatever. Because we've been told work, work, work. The more you work, you know, the better you are, the stronger you are. And so solitude opposes that. And so we're reactive like, oh, this is going on in my life. So I'm going to retreat and go sleep and go on the beach and drink beer and hang out and fish or whatever. Well, I'm not going to spend time with God. But what if, what if, what if solitude and silence were actually something we're called to do proactively because they're powerful. What if that was true? We'd all do it more, I think. If it wasn't seen as weakness, but it was seen as a strength. It was seen as something that was powerful. I read this in a commentary, and it blew me away. Actually, it was in this book by Dallas Willard. And he said, you know, we look at the temptation of Christ, where it says, after his baptism, his identity was told to him. He was driven, in, the Spirit led him into the desert. For 40 days, he didn't eat, he didn't drink. And then he came out of the desert, and what happened? He was tempted by the enemy. And we go, we say, this is what we say. We say, in his weakness, in his weakness, Jesus defeated the devil. That's how much powerful, you know, in his weakness. Right? Well, that's not true. Because when he drew away in solitude, and when he was silent, when he was seeking the Lord, he grew in strength. He grew in strength. And it wasn't until he was strong enough that the father would allow him to be tempted by the devil. Amen is right. Mm, like that. All right. I'm going to face you guys. So Jesus tempted three times. And then at the end of being tempted three times, this, this seals the deal right here. It says, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. When you start a fight, right? When you're training for a fight. I watched a lot of UFC this weekend. Anyway, when they're training for a fight, they enter the ring. Are they strong or are they weak? They're strong. They're fired up. They're, the, they're, they're at the peak of their strength to begin the fight. And then at the end of the fight, they get tended to. They get stitches. They get taken care of. What well, says the angels were ministering to him. Why? Because he was just in a fight. And he, he was weak. And he needed to be ministered to. He needed to be cared for because he was in a fight. 
just like the enemy tempts us, if we want to win that fight, if we want to win that fight, we have to draw away into the desert, into solitude. We have to, to gain strength to defeat the enemy. This is why it is so important. You know, Paul, after he's converted, spent three years in the desert preparing for ministry. Jesus, all through his casting out demons, preaching the synagogues, synagogues, he, it says that he, was, he went and retreated. Before he appointed the apostles, he went and retreated. Before he fed 5,000, he went and retreated. Before he walked on water, he went and... Good church. So this is powerful. Solitude is the seat of power that brings transformation in our life and that flows out of us to defeat the enemy and transform the world. It is not a weakness, but it is a discipline that we have to choose to engage in. Now, I went, um, I've done a lot of different things to practice this. I'm not good at this because I'm like, you know, I'm out there. I'm energetic. I like to do a lot of different things. I'm a busy, busy body, and uh, I really struggle with this. And I have ADD, HDTV kind of, you know what I mean? I got it going on in my brain, you know? And it's very hard for me to do this. And I've learned that I need to take chunks of time. I need to, I struggle, and I work on being disciplined every day. But I need to take chunks of time to do this. And so I write it into my calendar, and I schedule it. Now, I know this is the, one of the blessings of being um, and, and like being a professional Christian is that you get paid to do time with God, all right? And so I know that this isn't possible for some of you maybe, but it is if you use your weekends. As I'll schedule, you know, every three months a day away with God, you know, I'll, and then every half a year I'll schedule, a, you know, overnight or two, and then again I'll do another day, and then at the end of the year sometimes when I'm preparing for the next year, I'll take five days of being quiet going away. And preparing. Because that's how it works for me. Now, I know, again, like, that's, that's all my vacation, Antley. What are you talking about? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to do that. I mean, the Lord knows your schedule. He knows your heart. And he wants to draw you into life. He wants you to have blessings. He wants you to experience life to the full. I mean, what? I mean, I know. Like, it's crazy to think, like, instead of going on a fishing trip, I could go spend time with the Lord and come back from those trips more excited about life, more excited about all of my life, all of my family, all of my work. Everything in me would be full of joy. What if that was true? You might sacrifice the fishing trip. You might sacrifice a fishing trip. It might be husbands that you would let your wives go for an overnight. If they came back, fired out, and actually loved you for real, you know, not like pretending and stuff, or fed up with the kids, right? Or wives letting your husbands go, the same thing, allowing them, just, or like, hey, honey, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to take the kids. You get to spend time with Jesus. And I know couples do this. They, they go, they kind of alternate alternate. You know, I know high schoolers and middle schoolers that, that go to school half hour early and they sit in their car and just spend time with God or 15 minutes early. They spend time with God. 
You know, and so again, for all of us, there are opportunities to do this, but you need to set realistic goals. Don't be going, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm not eating. I'm not, I'm not, doing, I'm not do, doing anything for this week. I'm going to be silent. Don't you talk to me. And if you do, you know, you're on the side of the devil. Don't go home and be going crazy because these are disciplines. And with any discipline, you start lifting weight, you start light, and you build up. Okay? And so start off with realistic goals. Wake up. This, someone told me this one. When you wake up, don't move and just pray for five minutes or be quiet. For five minutes. Listen to the Lord for five minutes. Another person said they wake up and they roll out of bed onto their knees. And that there were spots where their knees would always go when they rolled out of bed. You know, and just spend time with the Lord right there in the morning for five minutes. Start at five minutes. Okay, or, or you know, or, or, and the Lord speaks to me in the shower. There's no one in the shower with you. There's no one in the shower usually. You know, there's no one in the shower with you. All right? There's no one there. You can listen all day long, and the rain's hitting your head, and you know, you're not hitting things, you're not hearing anything, and, and you know, it's quiet in there. And, and you're, I, the Lord speaks to me so often in the shower for some reason. And it, gum, if it's not Sunday morning, and he says something about the sermon, he wants me to change. You know? So I, I started taking a shower. I stopped taking showers. I stopped it. Lunchtime. We all have to eat lunch, right? We all hit lunch. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Fast a lunch during the week. Fast a lunch during the week and say, I'm going to go walk. I'm going to listen to the Lord. And go in my car, turn the air conditioner on, and listen to the Lord. Set an alarm on your watch to remind you during the day. You need to find a place without distractions, without people, with your phone off, so that nothing is going to bother you. Like, you know, Bob was saying, if, if we have the distractions in the world, we're not going to hear the Lord. If we're talking, we can't hear the Lord. We have to be quiet. The, we have to learn to tune out the world so that the world is quiet as well. You know, I mentioned that um, one of the things that I did is I went to a monastery um, on my first sabbatical. I was on Young Life staff still. And uh, I went to this monastery in Georgia. And I was like, yeah, this seems like a good idea. It's the last thing I wanted to do. I'm driving up there. And I go for five days, and it's like silence, like a silence thing, right, in Conyers, Georgia. And, um, and I was there, and nobody was talking, nobody, right? And except when you went to dinner, there was like a talking table, right? And people still weren't really talking there either. And then there were, everyone else was being quiet. And it was weird. It was freaky, like, to be around people and not talk to them. And I wandered around for five days, just like, you know, just wander, like what the monks would have been doing. And then they had like literally five worship services in the day. And except for the songs, at two of them, there'd be nothing. There'd be quiet. And one time I went in there at 4.30 in the morning, because the, the, the Vespers start at 4 in the morning, because the, the, the morning thing starts at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, I go in there and I'm just still. And there is not a sound, and I'm just kneeling in the middle of this church, and, and there was nothing like it that I've ever experienced. I can't even tell you what it was like. It was, I can't tell you. It was different, though. It's something that I never would have expected to happen to me or that I never would have chosen to do. And God met me there. But in the midst of this, of this solitude, the other thing that was happening as I was grieving the death of my father, 
And so I had all of these powerful, I'd go to my room and weep and weep as I was grieving the death of my father. And then I would move into solitude and the Lord would meet me there and he'd heal me. He'd fill me. He'd strengthen me and my quietness so that I could go into the next stage of grieving. And I'll tell you, I grieved for those five days and I haven't grieved since. It has not hit me in waves. It has, was a powerful blessing and my dad's gone and I love him. But I was transformed in that five days. It was, it was amazing how God met me in that. Okay. When we choose, when we choose to, to draw close to the Lord, he promises that he will draw close to us. I'm going to end with these scriptures just to, to prove it to you. Okay. God's word written by the spirit who is God. Truth, promise, 100%. 100%. You can count on these. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And there's a million others that I could tell you about. Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you need rest? What does Jesus say? Come, come, come to me. Come to me. So he says, draw to me, you will find me, and I will give you rest for your soul. I will, I will take care of you. And so solitude is the furnace of transformation. When you make it your internal reality, the power of it will become a powerful external reality. Solitude is the path to power, not a response to weakness. The invitation this week of moving into solitude, moving into silence, is an invitation to having a more powerful life where, where at the end of every day, at the end of every month, and at the end of every year, at the end of your life, you will need, you will need the angels to minister to you. You will need the angels to minister to you. We don't want to be boring Christians, right? We don't want to be, we're just walking through the world like everyone else. No. This is the truth. You want to have a healing ministry? Spend time in solitude. You want to cast out demons? Spend time in solitude. You want to be a teacher to thousands of people? Spend time in solitude. The more, pa- the more solitude, the more power, the more power he gives you, the more he'll trust you with. But it will be a battle, and you'll need to be strengthened in solitude. Okay, so on our website, I found some websites that talk about this, like are tools for you to grow in this area, like practical things that you can do. Okay, and so you'll be able to go, go to messages, you'll hit it, and, and, and you'll, it'll take you there to the website. But give me a day. I'll, it'll be there tomorrow, okay? And then um, the other thing is that there'll be, you know, three to five questions that city group leaders can use to work in your groups, or you can use them in your time with the Lord, you can journal them, or whatever you do. You know, one of the things that I've read consistently, when people talk about, when you teach on the, spirit, the disciplines of the Spirit, you need to understand their church is not going to do them. They say that. They say that. And I'm like, That's, I don't want that to happen. I'm spending time teaching on it. And they say the reason is, is because in the Western church, 
we choose comfort over discipline. We choose comfort over discipline. And so my challenge is this, the challenge of our leadership. We believe God is moving in this direction. He's calling us church, in the, you know, our church into this position of power to transform and to bring life to overflow into our communities. But we won't, he won't, unless we are strengthened and we are powerful. So get on board with us. Make the sacrifices. Begin to discipline yourself so that we as a church can become who God has created us to be. We cannot do it without you because we're a family. We cannot do it without you. We can do it individually, but it's nothing compared to the power of how we can do it together. Let's stand. Sorry, that was a long one. Okay. Wait. Let's pray. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna um we're gonna have the, we're gonna start ministry time. And ministry time, if it's new to you, is a space where you create opportunity to uh, for you for what you've just heard to come into your heart and for the Holy Spirit to seal it, for it to become real and true. Because we know, remember, that the desires of our heart, our flesh will follow, okay? And so the disciplines of the Spirit are to change the desires of our heart, ultimately, so that our flesh, our bodies, will follow. Okay, so we're going to create some space right now. And uh, we're going to ask you to come down in a minute uh, if, you, if you'd like prayer for a number of things. But right now, what we're going to do is we're all going to close our eyes. I can't make you. I'm not going to go around and close your eyes, but I'm asking you to close your eyes, and we're going to be quiet. We're going to be silent, okay? We're going to be silent, and I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you when to start. Three, two, one, go. Father, we thank you for meeting each of us in that minute and a half that felt like a lot longer than that because we are not used to listening to you. We are so distracted by so many things in our life and we bring them to you now, things that you have given us to be blessed with, 
that we have now gone to to find the life, the rest, the peace, the joy, the comfort that you have created us to find in you. And so, Father, right now, we ask that you would send your spirit to meet us, to identify what those things are in our life, and that we would, in our mind, bring those to Jesus. In our spirit, we'd bring those to you right now, Jesus. We know that those are burdens that we are not made to carry. That that day when you defeated the devil in your temptation, you fully defeated him on the cross to carry our burdens, to carry our brokenness, so that we can find rest in you, life in you, peace in you, joy in you. Just come, Holy Spirit, right now, minister to us. I just silence the enemy right now that he's trying to make you feel guilty. I break the power of that in the name of Jesus, that the Father does not use that to motivate us. But the Spirit is moving in conviction to lead you to life, whereas guilt leads us to death. Just come, Holy Spirit. Move in our hearts. Reveal to us the things that we have become enslaved to the blessings that have become sin. We just thank you. Just come, Lord.